There was a man reading a newspaper, and he was reading the obituary column, and he was shocked to find his name in the obituary column that morning because he knew he wasn't dead. Upset, he called the newspaper, demanded to speak to the editor, chewed him out, and he said, by your mistake, I'm going to be embarrassed in the community. I might even lose business because of this blunder of saying that I'm dead. The editor apologized. It wasn't good enough for the guy. He kept yelling. The editor apologized again. The man was inconsolable, irate. Finally, the newspaper owner said, Look, tell you what I'll do, buddy. I'll print your name tomorrow in the birth columns and give you a fresh start. In a few hours, you're going to have a fresh start. What's going to happen? What will happen in the next year? What kinds of things? Well, you might ask that same question of the children of Israel as they were about to cross over the Jordan River into a new land God promised them. And God said, you've never been this way before. What would they face? Well, one of the things they would face, and this is what you and I will face in the coming year, are some uncertainties. They were wondering, where are we going to live? What's that new land going to be like? We've been used to Egypt. We've been used to wandering around in the desert and having bread fall out of the sky, water come from a rock. What's this new land going to be like? Where will our families live? What will we do? Will, will there be good farming land? Are there malls in Canaan? I don't think they asked that, but they, they wondered about the conditions of the land. Here we are, uncertain about the future, we don't exactly know what it's going to be like. We just know we've never come this way before. We're wondering what will happen on the international scene. What will happen with the interest rates and the housing values in our area? What will happen with my family? We face the future with uncertainties. It's interesting to me, and I, I still don't get it, how obsessed our culture has become with trying to predict the future. There are tens of thousands of registered astrologers in the United States alone. In fact, so many of them. There's so much written on the subject of astrology that it fills an entire drawer in the Library of Congress. People are obsessed with wanting to know the future. Would you really want to know all that's going to happen to you this next year? I wouldn't. What if some tragic disaster were to fall upon your life, your family's life in the next six months, and you had to worry about it until that time? God gives us the grace as we face those uncertainties when we get there. All we know is we haven't come this way before. There are going to be some uncertainties. God promises that. Something else that you can be assured of in this coming year, there's going to be some difficulties. Not just uncertainties, but I guess I could guarantee you pretty uh, solidly that this coming year is going to have some tough tumbles and bumps in the road. The children of Israel, when they came to the promised land, came to a river. And it wasn't just a river, it was the Jordan River. Most months of the year, 
It's only about 100 feet wide, but it is flood stage. Listen to this down in the 15th verse. And those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks during the whole harvest. During flood stage, which is April, the Jordan River swells to about a mile wide. There was no bridge over there. There was no welcome children of Israel. Here's the new bridge for you to come over into the promised land. They faced an obstacle right off the bat. Once they get into the land and they miraculously cross, they have more difficulties to face. There's the town of Jericho, unfriendly people. There are enemies. Down in the same chapter, God says, you're going to have Girgashites and Hittites and termites, all sorts of these people groups that lived around them who would be their enemy. There's going to be some difficulties. A third thing they would face is victories. Victories. Down in the fifth verse, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And listen to this in the tenth verse. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Termites and all the other ites. There would be victories in the land. But now listen to this. Though Christians love to talk about victory, I have the victory. Lord, give us the victory. Have you ever thought about it? How can you have a victory without a battle? What are you victorious over? What did you vanquish? What did you win? There has to be a battle in order to have a victory. So, in this coming year, you're going to have difficulties, and victories. You see, all of those difficulties that you and I sometimes call impossibilities are simply cleverly disguised opportunities for the Lord without fail to drive them out from before you. So you're going to have a mix, good and bad, sweet and sour, tragedies and victories. We don't like that mix. We would opt for the first part. No, Lord, just give me the victory. Just give me the good stuff, not the bad stuff. But remember, it was David who said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He didn't say, Yea, though I walk around the valley of the shadow of death, like we would love to do in the coming year. Yea, though I am airlifted from the valley of death and taken from mountain peak to mountain peak, doesn't say that. We go through it. There's going to be that mix of good and bad. Fourth thing you can expect. Some possibilities. Some great possibilities. Great potentialities. First and foremost is that no matter where you go, the Lord's going to be with you. If you know the Lord, if you have a personal relationship with Christ tonight, wherever you go, whatever you face, you'll never face it alone in the coming year. He'll be with you. 
back in that fourth verse, God says to Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And then there was an interesting symbol of God's presence called the Ark of the Covenant. Wherever they went, the Ark went before them as they crossed through that Jordan River into the new land. Now the Ark, you probably already know from back in the first five books of Moses, Exodus 25, etc. It was a visible symbol of God being among His people. It was a place that God said, I'm going to hang out and I'll meet you there at the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because inside of it was the broken law that represented their sin and on top of it was sprinkled blood that spoke of atonement. So God is saying, I'm going to meet you there where blood is sacrificed. And so that ark that symbolized the presence of God was with them wherever they went. You can expect that possibility. That is a certainty for you if you know Christ. Also, as they were crossing the Jordan River, it wasn't like crossing the Red Sea. See, the Red Sea was, for some of them, much cooler. Because God said, Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they just stood there and watched and the sea opened up and they went on dry land. Ah, but not on this crossing. On this crossing, God said in the 15th verse, you tell the priests who bear the ark to start walking into the river. Now, imagine how scary that would be. You're carrying the ark. The water doesn't open up for you first you got to start walking into the water first by faith. you got to get your feet wet. And once you take those first steps of obedience, then the water parted and they walked across on dry land. There's some great possibilities that lay ahead for you in this coming year. And God may be leading you in a certain direction. And He's saying, get your feet wet. Oh no, Lord, I want, I want a sign. I want you to open up the Red Sea for me first. I want to see some dry land. Then I'll know it's you. And the Lord's saying to you, nope, this is how it works. I'm with you. You got the ark there. I'll be with you wherever you go. You get your feet wet first. You take the first steps and I'll meet you there. Well, they did it. The river opened up. They went into that new land, and you know the story. It's history. It's His story. He gave them that land. He conquered their enemies. They settled in it. Here's the tragedy. God promised the children of Israel through Abraham that they would have as much land as from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates in Persia and the north and south marked by Lebanon, Mount Hermon, all the way down to the Sinai. A total of 300,000 square miles. God promised them that. God said, all of that is yours if you take it by faith. But here's the tragedy of Israel's history. Even when they reached their peak, their zenith, their high point under King David and King Solomon, they were the most prosperous and they took surrounding countrysides they only at their peak occupied 30,000 square miles. God promised them 300,000 square miles. They took 30,000 square miles. In other words, they only occupied a tenth of all that God gave to them. 
Doesn't that sound like a lot of people you know who are believers? God says, I have so much more I want to do. Take the first step. And so they take the first step, and then they get into the land, and they go, okay, okay, that's good enough. That's all I want. This is comfortable right here. God says, oh no, i got a lot more for you. There's more steps of faith for you and I to take this coming year. Could it be that you're only taking in a tenth of all that the Lord has for you? A small percentage? And maybe you're going, well, it's okay, I'm saved. That's all I want to make sure, I'm saved. Yeah, but what about all of the possibility of the Lord using you in a dramatic way? Didn't Jesus say, whoever believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water? Some of us go, I just like the little trickle. That little stream. God says, how about torrents of living water? God has so much more for us, I'm convinced, than we're walking in right now. So it's a new year. New possibilities. Lots of uncertainties. A lot of victories. A lot of possibilities with the Lord. I hope and pray that this time next year when we gather, you won't look back and go, still hanging on to a tenth. But we'll hear the victory stories of where the Lord has taken you and what He's done with you. It could be that you haven't even gotten your feet wet spiritually. It could be you're a religious person, or maybe not. Maybe you're just a good person in your own estimation. You... um are an American citizen, you pay your taxes, you try to go the speed limit reasonably, um, at least with the flow of traffic, that's the law, five miles over the speed limit, maybe ten. Um, you pay your taxes on time, you, you do what you think is best to be an upstanding, responsible citizen, and maybe you're thinking, that's enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. If you drink of the waters of this world... No matter what they are, you'll always get thirsty again. Jesus Christ is promising you a torrent of living water. And I, I, I for a moment, just want to ask you about the certainty you're facing the new year with. The certainty. And here's why. One of the band members that was supposed to play tonight, a dear brother in our fellowship whom we love, went to the hospital with a heart attack. Now, so far, and we pray for him, he's okay. He might be in heaven before morning. There's always that possibility. I remember the night I told my brother about Jesus Christ, and he said, I got plenty of time. Two weeks later, my father called me and said, your brother's been killed in a motorcycle wreck. Tonight, you have time. Right now, you have time. The Lord is extending His hand of mercy to you. And if you're not sure that you know the Lord, now's the time. And this is the place to make sure. Would you bow your head with me as we search our hearts together? Heavenly Father, we're in Your presence. Naked and open, all things are before You, the One with whom we have to do. You know all things. You know our past. You know our present. And you alone know our future. That's safe and kept in your hands. You promise your presence. 
to those who know you, to those who love you, to those who follow you. I imagine that there are some in our crowd, our fellowship tonight, who know about you, grew up in a church, maybe made some kind of a decision or signed a card or a commitment at a camp, threw a pine cone in a fire. They're here tonight and their heart is empty. Barely a trickle. Certainly not torrents of living water. Just just a little bit. Or, or maybe a complete dry experience, a dry riverbed. Lord, would you move throughout our midst, move in this room tonight, this auditorium, and would you speak to and deal with different hearts as we gather? Would you convict, as Jesus promised, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment? And as you're searching your heart tonight before the Lord, as you search your own heart and you're evaluating your life, your commitment, it could be that you realize, well, I really don't have a personal relationship with Christ. I know facts about Him. I know about His institution called the church. I've gone there long enough all my life. But it's not real. It doesn't abide. He doesn't abide in you. There's an emptiness there. There's a loneliness that you're experiencing. And tonight the Lord has brought you here not just to hear some music or a great testimony of a world-famous band from its manager in the United States, but more than that. To bring you into a relationship with the living God the same thing that happened, happened to Ken Mansfield and members of this band and people in this fellowship. But you see, you have to receive it and you have to come to a definite point in your life where you say yes to God. And it could be that tonight is that night. Maybe this is the first time you're about to do it or maybe you're coming back to the Lord. I don't know. But whatever it is, now is the time and this is the place and as our heads are bowed, and we're praying right now for you, I want you to raise your hand up in the air and say yes to the Lord if that's what you want, if you're willing to receive Christ as your Savior and make that commitment to Him. If you're willing to do that and God has brought you to that place, then I'd like you to raise your hand up, raise it in the air so I can see it. And I'll pray for you as we close the service. You're making a decision. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you are against me. So if you're saying, well, I'll, I'll wait on it. I'm really not against the Lord, but I'm not going to really surrender my life to him. Understand, you're against him, according to Jesus Christ. So if you've never surrendered your life to him, or maybe you did and you backslid, and you want to come back to him, I want you to slip your hand up. And we'll pray for you as we close. God bless you. Anybody else? In the balcony. God bless you, man. Anyone else? 
Put your hand up. Heavenly Father, we pray for those who have. We thank you for their lives. We thank you that you love them with an everlasting love. We thank you that you brought them to this place and this time. And Father, we pray that you would do those changes, radical changes of conforming those ones, these ones, into your image. In Christ's name we pray. Bless their lives, Lord. Fill them in Jesus' name. Amen.